Um, I'm going to read from the floor today. Um, Y'all know I don't like preaching behind the pulpit. That's just me. Some people love it and do great at it. Um, But I need to be close to the text today because we're going to go back into the reading today several times. I just want to have it close at hand. Um, And now um, I'm at a place in life where I can't read print anymore. And I'm trying to move to a different kind of glasses. And the way that it normally works for people doesn't work for me. So I'm at the point of either having to take these off and put a pair on or back and forth. So I'll print this out really big so I can read it, right? So it's, <laughs> it's 20 point font in case you're curious about that. Um, for, for a couple of reasons right here. So my Bible, you like to preach from my Bible, but the text, even the large print font, it's like 14. I can't read it. So if my finds a really large print, New Testament or Old Testament, please let me know. Um, the sermon today is continuing in Ephesians about, really today the focus is comprehending we're trying to maybe comprehend the purpose and the power of God's love. Like, how do we comprehend? How do we understand it? How do we understand it by ourselves? And more importantly, as Ephesians teaches, how do we understand it together? Because we learn from each other in our experiences of God's grace and love. So I'll be reading from Ephesians beginning with verse 14. Let's hear God's word this morning. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that our focus is on you today and not me. As your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and minds today, so we leave worship and we've encountered your presence, what we think and say and do reflects more of Jesus. Amen. I'm gonna start with the ending today. The end of this text is talking about how together through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God, we can accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine. And the word imagine really got to me this week about imagining things. Can you accomplish something you can't imagine or do you have to imagine it first? to accomplish it. Maybe you're somebody that just stumbles onto things, right? You just stumble into something. Years ago, there was a commercial for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are in that orange package in the store with yellow rotting, and it's got chocolate and peanut butter. It comes like in a little um, black plastic wrapping, right? And years ago, there was a commercial. How do they come up with it? And the way the commercial went, somebody was riding their bike, you know, with a piece of chocolate, and somebody's walking down the street with some peanut butter. And they collided, and the peanut butter got in the chocolate, and they tasted great, right? So it wasn't something they imagined in this pretend story. It was something that just happened. So sometimes things just happen. 
But most times, we need to imagine something to be able to accomplish it. You know, in your organization, in your business. Um, I hear some humming in the sound booth, by the way. In the, in, the, in, the, in the business world, there's a way that you might can imagine something and you can try to make it happen, right? You can imagine. And if you don't imagine it, it's hard to accomplish it. You might have a visioning session, a strategic planning meeting, when you, you go out and you imagine a preferred future and you get there. Well, Ephesians is teaching us that sometimes through the connectivity of a people following Jesus through God's love, we can do more than we can ask or imagine. Growing up, I had two sons, and I remember birthday parties. Um, they would usually get Legos. There was a stage in life when they got Legos, right? All they got, they got Legos, whether it's Christmas or birthday or whatever. They got a lot of Legos. And the Legos would come in, and Legos would come in uh, to me, and they would come in a box, right? And so what would usually happen, I remember one birthday party, um, my youngest son, Reese, got a Anakin Skywalker's Jedi Interceptor Starfighter, right? Um, and it was, it was the bougie starfighter, not the plain one. It's the one with the extra pieces. And, and so with the way birthday parties work, you have a party, friends come over, you eat cake and ice cream. And then later on, after you open the presents, you decide to work on your Legos. And so the next day, we're working on the Legos, and we have them out on the table, you know, and it's a yellow and gray starfighter, and there's directions to Legos. Legos come with these directions you unfold with these step-by-step instructions, and it was around 250 pieces. I double-checked that. I looked it up. 250 pieces, and that doesn't sound like a lot, except some are really small pieces if you did Legos, right? You almost need tweezers to do them. And we would spread them out on the table, you know, and we start the process, but invariably, we would get tired of the process, and we wouldn't finish it in one sitting. And then Legos would be left out, right? And they're really fun to step on when you're barefoot, by the way, <laughs> if you've never done that, right? It's, it's a great way to say thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> Hopefully, right? <laughs> and so usually we'd be on the table, and it would be partially done, but not finished, right? We'd have some of the Starfighter finished, right? You can see the base, you can see, and then some of it would not be finished yet, right? And so it's like we know it's going to be finished. We have an imagination. We have a vision of what it's going to be. The box has a picture of it. We have instructions, but it's not done. We read through Ephesians in Scripture. It's painting a picture, especially this part of Ephesians paints a picture. It imagines a preferred future what a community of faith looks like. And when we, we talk through this in the sermon series, some of it is, is who we are, right? And some of it is probably who we can be. When people read scripture, we give thanks for what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what Christ is going to do. So when we read through this, some of this you may feel like romanticized. You know, we're, we're a bunch of people, right? It's, you know, we're different people from different places with different backgrounds, you know, who think differently. And that's okay because some of this stuff, this unity and unity of purpose and coming together is, is this vision, this imagination of where God is sending us as a church. And we're not there yet. Some of it you may say sounds just like us. And some of it you may say, we're not there yet, but we're going to get there using God's imagination. Where, as Paul says, 
We can accomplish far more than we can ask or even imagine. This letter, Paul was in prison. This is one of the prison letters. People would call it a prison epistle. And when you write letters from prison, as you study people who write letters from prison, you find it's a different type of writing style. It's something that's meant and it's powerful and it's meant to be heard by many people to inspire them most of the time. So Paul's writing this from prison and the people are worried about him. The church in Ephesus is worried about him, worried about his health, worried is he gonna make it, worried that he's been prison and you know, he's been arrested unjustly. They're just worried about him, like you worry about somebody. And so Paul flips the script and instead says, don't worry about me, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And he walks through this because he wants them to imagine what they can be. He's writing this so that they don't worry about him, but they imagine of who they can be. And he says, I, I pray before God, I bow my knees, in whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Every family. It's like a leveling device. Every family on earth takes its name from God. Doesn't matter if you're 5'4 if you're or 6'4, doesn't matter the size house you live in, doesn't matter your income, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter if you're a Ken or Barbie fan, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You've seen that movie, you know what I mean, right? It doesn't matter which one you are. It levels and puts us all together. We all come from God, we're all created in God's Spirit. And then he says, When I pray, here's what I pray. The first two go together. I pray that you may be strengthened in your inner being with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I pray that you're strengthened in your inner being, in your heart, in your soul, in your mind by the Holy Spirit. And then it says, through that power, so that and that Christ may be dwell in your hearts through faith as you're rooted and grounded in love. It's like Christ is the strength and the center of our faith and practice as we're grounded in love. So the two things, be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. Those go together. So this letter is saying faith is more than mental ascent, right? It's more than this cognitive ascent where I'm able to read, intellectually understand things. Part of people of faith is we also have to be transformed and have Christ through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, you know, to be in us and, and through us so that we can be vessels of Jesus. There's a mental part too, right? As Methodists, we don't believe in checking our brain at the door when we come to church, right? We think through things, we talk through things, we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us interpret Scripture. We don't leave our brains out of it. And it doesn't stop with our brains. You've got to have something that inspires you and transforms you on the inside, that passion comes through, that spirit comes in, and we're rooted and grounded like the children's moment when Danelle did it. You saw the roots, rooted and grounded in Christ's love. It's so important as Methodists, our earliest beginnings when John Wesley sought to renew the Anglican Church and started the Methodist movement, he was at a group that was meeting, not for Bible study, but to study Martin Luther's um, preface to Romans. And they were studying, you know, Martin Luther's writings, his introduction to Romans. And that's where he felt like he finally got it. He'd been on this whole journey of mental ascent, right? Very intellectual. 
And he finally got it that he had to have the Holy Spirit dwell in him and be rooted and grounded in love. Now, that sounds easy, but it's hard to do. Sometimes we don't want to give God the hard parts. I think there's easy parts of our hearts to give to God, right? The parts that I'm seeking healing and I'm seeking grace and maybe forgiveness. But there's hard parts too. We really don't want God to come in, I think, sometimes as human beings. You know, I don't want to change. I like some things about me. And I don't want to give those to God, those hard parts. It can be a lot of things, right? It could be our love of money over other things. It could be our desire to be right and our ego. Um, it could be something from the past that's really hard to name. It could be a lot of things. But I believe Ephesians is saying you've got to give God the hard parts. God can love that too. When you give God the hard parts, the parts that you don't want to change or the parts that's too horrible to name or too shameful to name. That's how you have that love come in and fully root and ground you. Root and grounded in Christ's love. Part of it's opening yourself up. Part of it's being willing to do it. And then God does the rest. Then the second part of the prayer, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend the letter says, I want you to understand with all the saints, what is this 4D dimension, breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. This incarnational ministry, that's the $3 word, incarnational ministry, or maybe that's a $10 word, the incarnation of Jesus coming in, that's what this is about. Come in our hearts, it's the incarnation the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we want Christ to dwell in us. And I want you to be full of God's love and be filled with the fullness of God. And part of that is, is comprehending what that looks like with all the saints. So it's supposed to be something we comprehend together. I can be in a small group. I can get with this group right here, this front row, and this front row, right? And we can talk about our experience of God's Fullness of God's love in our life. In hard times. And if we got together and talked about it, it would be a different experience than if I just with all the saints. Now that's the prayer Paul gives us. And then with all this energy and compassion and love, we don't like channel it, right? We don't We just try to share it in an explicit way. 
for people who may not know it. God is and they know about God's love. That's our goal as church. To God be the glory in the church. Prison letters most of the time are written to inspire people. Inspire people who are worried about you. Paul wants us to be inspired to know there's an outcome coming, a preferred future, where we all experience the fullness of God and we share that in a powerful way. Whenever I think of letters from prison, I think of modern examples too. I usually go, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama area, so I usually go to Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the Birmingham jail, published, I think 1963 is the year he wrote it. He was arrested, he was in jail um, because he came over from Atlanta and he was leading the civil rights movement to give um, you know, human dignity and rights to people of color, to African Americans in, throughout the nation. And at this particular time, he was in Birmingham with demonstrations. He was in there you know, walking and, and talking and, and, and he got arrested for leading this. He was arrested and put in jail. And people were worried about him. Therefore, he penned this really, really long deep theological letter to the people who had written letters saying he should go home. Um, four white clergy in the area had said, look, you're an outsider, you're causing trouble, just go back to Atlanta, give it more time and things like that. So he wrote a letter to respond to them, a public letter, saying, no, we're, we're connected in this mutuality, right? This common tapestry. And I believe that it's time for change. And what we're doing, basically he's saying this is God's work. But he didn't write it for the clergy, although he addressed it to them. He wrote it for the people who were out there marching. People who were tired and hot and tired of being hurt and tired of being abused, right? And being nonviolent. He wrote it for them. And so when he wrote it for them, it was to inspire them for a preferred future. I wonder if you wrote a letter to our church today. If you wrote a letter to our church today, what would you imagine we should be? What outcome do you imagine for Wake Forest United Methodist Church? Based on where we are and based on where God's going to take us. I wonder what you would pray for for this church. Paul prayed for those three things we went through. Paul prayed that. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We experience the fullness of Christ being rooted and grounded in God's love. We, we heard that. And we understand and comprehend the power of God's love with all the saints. What would you pray for all of us, of our mission and ministry? Methodist Church has been through ups and downs over the years, right? We've gone through a process of disaffiliation where some churches have left, right? Some churches have started new churches. It's been like this thing that divided us. What's our future? We got two open staff positions, about to have another one, right? We're gonna have three open staff positions. What's our future? So I encourage you to pray about our future in this church. I wonder where God is sending us and what is God's future. 
because I'm excited about the next few years at Wake Forest UMC. I'm excited about the potential I see in this church. I'm excited about the people gathered here today. I'm excited about the grace this church showed me when I had to take leave after losing my son. I've seen it in this church. And I'm excited for God's preferred future where God's gonna send us. So when you pray, and when you pray about the future, I encourage you to pray, God, give us the imagination to see where we can go and then empower us as God's people to get there.